When listening to this episode, it is important to keep in mind that the conversation took place in 2021, before the Omicron variant came to light. This might reflect in some of the references made in the discussion. Hello and welcome to our Africa Travel Week Connect Unlock Africa podcast, where we bring the news, views, tips and tricks from tourism experts and personalities, sometimes simply sharing a window on their world and Africa's tourism sector. This month, we're looking across our borders. We're chatting to travel experts in some of Africa's key source markets from the UK to the US, Finland, Norway, and Belgium. They will be shedding some light on the trends from their markets, what their travelers expect from Africa, and how our local suppliers can better cater for these visitors. Welcome, Sean. Welcome, Anthony. Sean, to start off, can I ask you for your views on this exciting source market? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, just from my side, I mean, Anthony, just to start off, I mean, obviously, the Australian market is still relatively quiet. I mean, we haven't had many bookings yet. So it's it's obviously different to other markets that have already picked up and are, you know, are in um you know in go mode, like the US market and some, some of Eastern Europe and a little bit of Europe. But uh, the Australian market for us, yeah. I mean, I think if we've had, you know, maybe five inquiries in the last four months, it's a lot. Um, and I don't know if that's the same on your side, Anthony, is it still very quiet mm. for Africa? Yeah, yeah, it's quiet for Africa. I think it'll pick up traditionally our booking cycle. You know, we would expect bookings, you know, maybe early next year to start to come in for Africa. Um, but I think, look, we can talk about that. You know, it's the psyche of the Australian traveller. You know, we are still... Along, we are far away. Um, not the not the U, that the US is that close, but um, uh, you know we've we've been locked down for a long time. So, but I think look, Australians are starting to travel again, and I think Africa will be on that radar. So, yeah, yeah. So where are they traveling to then, uh, Anthony? If if they are starting to travel, is Europe already starting to see some pickup for from the Australian market? Or? Yeah, look, it we're finding different groups of clients, so different types of clients at this stage. So we've got those clients. So our borders have only opened recently. So our international borders here in Australia um, opened literally a couple of weeks ago. So we've got those those travellers that are happy to go. They're doing December, January travel. They're going to the US. They're going uh, to Fiji. Um, they're going to, uh, you know, parts of Europe already. But a lot of that is also the VFR market, you know, the visiting friends and relatives market. Those people who haven't seen family for a while, that want a reunion with those. Um, and then we've got those. So those clients are happy to go. Uh, you know, we've got some families going to Fiji, Hawaii. We're seeing a lot of interest for initially. 
um, seen as, if you like, a safe bet when it comes to travel and not very many rules. Um, and then we're seeing those forward planning. So those that are saying, no, I'm not ready to travel yet, but by April, May next year, certainly by the European summer, we will be ready to travel. Um, and we're seeing a lot of forward bookings. Um, and I think that in terms of Africa, um, I think we'll see that, you know, pick up towards the beginning of next year when it comes to greater inquiries, when we see more confidence in that there's still, because Australia was locked down for so long and we had an international travel ban for so long, some clients and Australians are still a little bit hesitant. You know, they think that maybe it's a government trust thing, that they think that the government will just close the borders anyway as soon as something else happens. So I think it's a bit of a confidence thing there. Mm. Yeah. And, and um, the fact that um, Qantas only start flying in January, 5th of January to Johannesburg, is probably also a factor because otherwise people have got to fly to get here. And I suppose that also, you know, the access is so, is, is so important. And uh, if I think had, had they decided to open up on the 20th of December or 15th of December, we might have seen a bit of a rush on travel especially families uh, and friends and families um, would have probably happened. But I think, yeah, the date of 5th of, of January points to your yeah, your comments where you see things starting to happen from next year. Yeah, I think airlift air yeah, has always been an issue in Australia. So we're so, because we are so far away from everything, Air has played a big part in dictating where we can go when. So, Sean, you're probably right there as well. And then, Sean, it's very hard to say if you say that there's only been five inquiries so far, more or less. But do you feel there's anything from your side that you need to, to that you're focusing on more for the Australian market? Are you really harping on on safety and security? If if um, we're saying if Anthony is saying that the market is still feeling a bit insecure and feeling a bit um, unsure about safety. Is that something that you put forward very much in your promotion to the Australian market or how have you changed your offering? Yeah. Um, so Doreen, yeah, what, we, what we've done is um, we've definitely, um, we're pushing out itineraries that are maybe, um, you know, not, not sort of four countries in one trip, you know, which, is, which maybe was the past, you know, where people would come to Cape Town, they'd do the Delta and Big Falls, all in one trip, or East Africa, you know, they do Kenya, Tanzania, and Rwanda in one trip. So we're seeing sort of maximum two countries um, in an itinerary at the moment, and that's really around reducing the you know the number of COVID tests and the risk of traveling to two different countries. So first of all, it's a long takes a long time to get here; it's a long haul travel, and then you've got to try and give peace of mind and to make sure that if anything does go wrong on their on their trip, I can say they do if, if they do. Uh, do get COVID, exactly how they'll be looked after, um, making sure, I mean, we have had a few clients that have that have got COVID whilst they've been in, um, in fact, in uh, Botswana, in the Chobe. And um, yeah, I mean, two of them were there on their, in their own planes. So they were private charter. So they were able to leave on their, on their own private charter. There were no restrictions on that. But then there was one client, he was an 18-year-old boy, 
with his family. They flew back to the States and he stayed at Choby Game Lodge for, for five days. And what we do is we retest again and again. Um, uh, and we found that they haven't ever had to stay for longer than about four days um, because they actually have tested negative after the, you know, the third or fourth day. So, you know, we found ways of getting around this so they don't end up having a long, you know, a long ordeal wherever they are. Um, we've had quite a bit of, you know, we've had quite a bit of sort of false, false positives. So we've had, for example, that two clients that were tested in Kruger, they were false, they were, they were tested positive and the next morning, well, in fact, that same day we retested them and they, and they were negative uh, when that came through. So they were able to fly, fly out on their, on their same uh, flight that they had. So, yeah, these are the kind of things that are happening. But yes, so what we do is we, you know, we we obviously try and and um, and put out our newsletters and our information to to our partners around the world and to give them peace of mind. And yes, they're making a big difference. Um, we haven't started doing sort of webinars and that sort of thing with the Australian market yet. Um, but I think that's imminent. Um, and uh, as Anthony said, you know, so from next year we probably. And we're going to see more uptake. So, yeah, we, we get, we're going to start that process now in terms of communicating. And uh, but it has been, yeah, mainly through our newsletters and our and our communication, just showing what is what is possible, what people are doing, and giving them peace of mind about how we look after them. And what we're seeing so much more is that um, is that people really do need their travel agent during these times. You know, the 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 clients that are, that are trying to go it alone. Um, they really are, are alone. And so if anything does happen to them, they've got to find their own way. So we've definitely seen uh, from the markets that are traveling, we've seen a nice pickup um, in, in interest. And uh, as I say, um, in, in, our, in, our, in our business, definitely um, they are asking for agent support right throughout, you know, from, from their home country and then through to ours on the ground. And that's critical. It's actually amazing when you say it like that. I had never actually thought about it, but the hand-holding that goes with it, if somebody actually tests positive and the fact that you guys are helping with the retesting and that you are directing people to the right places is actually such an amazing service and it could give such peace of mind to travelers who are looking at Africa. Um, Definitely. I mean, the, the, beautiful thing of, the beautiful thing about WhatsApp is that we can be in touch with our client five, six times a day. Yeah. And that is what's happening. I mean, Yes, we're not as we're not as productive as we were in terms of sales and that, but we actually we hand holding every single client through this process and through their travel, and and they they love the fact that we're right here. And uh, you know, for example, Australia there's a big time difference, so it's critical that during the day we are we are there. You know, we are their their DMC on the ground that we're communicating all the time with their clients so that they can be when they wake up, um, they get the news. Okay, you know, the client can travel can travel home tomorrow. Um, the, the, the test has been reversed, et cetera, et cetera. So that's what we need to do. You know, that's our that's our job and that's our function as a, as a DMC. Anthony, do you see that as well, that that's the greatest obstacle for the moment with Australians inquiring or looking at Africa is the safety and security side of things? Like you mentioned, you guys have been locked down for so long that I can imagine that that is something that is top of mind. Yeah, look, I think, um, yeah, safety is important i mean when it comes to covid safety um but i think that's why we do use dmcs like sean's business hilt edge because we we need them on the ground with our clients and we have the caliber of client that demands and wants 
attention. And if something does go wrong, uh, that they have that attention on the ground. I mean, I have no idea how clients would do it themselves these days. I, I can't even, I mean, myself, I'm going, I'm attending, uh, I'm going to the UK and Europe uh, to France uh, in a couple of weeks uh, for some business. And there are 11 steps to do with COVID that I have to do um, between the time before I leave Australia and the time I come back to Australia. So there are 11 steps I have to do in terms of testing and paperwork. Um, and I mean, I don't, you know, clients would have to do them, do it themselves. Uh, so, you know, we have, we're working with different software uh, that gives us all the rules when we have an itinerary. And that'll be the same when we start sending clients to Africa once again. You know, how do we partner with the right people, the right lodges, of course, the right DMCs um, to make our clients comfortable? And I think clients will be waiting for stories, for testimonials, for imagery of clients returning again. Um, so I would encourage people to think about their marketing and telling the story about the families that are coming back and the couples that are coming back and the wonderful experiences. I mean, everything's there. Everything's waiting. Um, and we just have to have the confidence uh, to recommend it to our clients that everything will be okay. I mean, nothing's 100% certain, but certainly if we're confident in the infrastructure, the, the medical uh, services surrounding trips, then there shouldn't really be any issues once flights recommence. And then um, because, you, know, you mentioned the experience. So obviously once all of that is done and dusted, and that's actually almost like a given that you guys take care of that and that you partner with the right people and they put their trust in you. Have, has their demographic changed? Do you see another type of traveler coming out of Australia than before the pandemic? What are the experiences they're looking for? What are the the travels they're looking for for the moment? Uh, I would say coming out of the pandemic, um, and I'm sure your listeners would have heard the term revenge travel. Mm. Have you heard of revenge travel? I love the term. It's my favourite term <laughs> to, come out of, uh, to come out of COVID, which is people are going to want to do travel and basically travel better because they want to take revenge on whatever happened in their life over the last 20 months and said, you know what, I haven't been able to travel. I love travel, so I'm going to go to Africa. And I think bucket list experiences are going to benefit coming out of this. I think people that have delayed these bucket lists, and Africa's right up the top when it comes to bucket list travel, um, why delay anymore? You don't know what's going to happen in 10 years' time. Who knows? So go. I'll be telling our clients, if you're thinking of Africa, don't delay. Because why would you delay now? You've got a family trip. You want to take your kids, your grandkids. You want to do a great multi-gen trip. You know you were going to do it in five years. Why wait five years? Do it now when you know what's going on. You don't know what's around the corner. 
get revenge on whatever happened and go. And that's our advice to clients at the moment. And plan ahead. So even say, you know, next September, plan to go or whenever. Um, So I think that's a major trend that we will see. When people get their heads around travel um, and it's that whole, you know what, I've always wanted to do this, let's just do it. And, you know, there's no better country that, uh, than uh, South Africa and, and and all the other wonderful uh, countries within within the continent to do that. I mean, the wildlife's waiting. That's what I keep on telling clients. They've been waiting. They're not going anywhere. So, yeah. uh, you know, so it's exciting. Um, and, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, I agree with you 100%. And, uh, and I think what we're seeing just from the other markets, and I'm sure Australia will follow suit, is that, because they they haven't travelled for two years, they actually have a little bit more to spend. So what they're saying is, okay, if I, w- I want to be a little bit safer, maybe maybe not staying when they when they're in the city, maybe not staying in a big downtown hotel. They might stay in a boutique hotel, or maybe even a villa or a or that that type of accommodation, especially if they're a group. If it's just two of them, you know, maybe something a little bit smaller. And then we're seeing quite a big um, um, interest in. And obviously being in the outdoors and being being away from the big cities. Um, and listen, people are still coming to Cape Town. Cape Town's not a big city by world standards, you know, if you compare it to Sao Paulo or Mexico City, for example. But um, it's uh, but still, you know, and, and there's and it's spread out. But we are definitely seeing people looking at boutique hotels, uh, the winelands, obviously safari, and yeah, some of them actually are, are looking at more uh, a more private experience. And then also we're seeing people adding bucket list items okay, to their to their trip, um, as Anthony said. So uh, yes, Africa is a bucket list trip, but within that, say you're um, maybe they wouldn't have done the hot air ballooning, but you know they've saved up for two years, they haven't travelled, they'll do the hot air ballooning, or they might do the Harley Harley Davidson ride around Cape Town on the back of a motorbike, or swimming uh, swimming with um, you know at uh, at at Cape Point or Simonstown. Uh, my octopus teacher, those kind of experiences, you know, just doing stuff that they maybe were a bit hesitant, hesitant to think about before and saying, you know what, it's my one trip, I'm going to do these things. So we're seeing a lot more activities. I think the wide trend during COVID, people have been out there more, mm. they're fishing more, they're surfing, they're paddling, and they actually want to do that while they're here as well. Mm. And I think people, you know, the, the trend certainly that we're seeing in the other things that we're booking is people are spending more money uh, on better accommodation, um, partly because you're right, Sean, they haven't travelled in two years. So that if you're not in certain industries like our wonderful tourism industry, you've probably got plen- plenty of money to spend. Um, so I think that, uh, yeah, I think that's right. I think people are spending more on better suites so maybe couples and families that normally take rooms are now taking suites and then if they've taken suites they're going more to villas um so in terms of you know africa and the africa experience you know maybe it's an opportunity to you know upsell always and you know don't think that the client's always going to buy what they bought last time um because they do possibly have some more uh, money saved up from all the travel they haven't done Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. And conservation, because in that whole revenge travel and that whole uh, idea of I'm going to go out there and this virus is like 
put us all inside and now is there some elements of I want to take care of the planet? I want to actually now make sure that that we're setting ourselves up for a good uh, future. Do you see that a bit more in Australian markets or not that much of an interest? I don't know. Doreen, I'd, love, I'd love to say that's the case. But, <laughs> you know, I think that, look, there are those clients that look for always the conservation messaging, the sustainability messaging, but I'm not sure. Uh, uh, yeah, I was actually asked this question last week and what consideration do people give that messaging when they're planning a trip? Um, I'm not sure that that is the highest priority when people are planning. I think it's a nice to have. Um, certainly when it comes to Africa, there are wonderful stories and experiences linked to that. So there's probably a good opportunity there to make it more of an interwoven experience. Um, but, yeah, you know, it would be a good idea for all of us to take care of each other and, and the planet a little bit more. <laughs> so that's just a bit too idealistic on my side. <laughs> sure. Maybe, yeah. maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I think, I think, Doreen, I think, yes, I mean, it's, it's definitely a buzzword, okay, out there in the market and people – and we do have clients, um, as I say, that are asking more about sustainability and conservation because they realize that, you know, I think people do realize that sometimes only once they've been here, it's their first trip, they don't, they don't always get it initially. But once they've been here and they see how communities are affected um, in a positive way by them going on safari. So, you know, like the, your neighboring communities to, to lodges, et cetera. Uh, but if you haven't been here, you don't really get it until you've been and travelled and seen. So for your second and third time visitors, I'd say yes. They remember the people, the people they met, the the guides, the uh, you know the the villages, the, the staff in villages they met, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And they they realise they've been through a very tough time. So I think it just depends on you know the the it depends on where where that traveller is in terms of their number of visits. But for first time visitors, it's still quite hard to fully get it until they have experienced it. Um, yeah. And then you guys mentioned that obviously now the Australian market has not been traveling, so there is a disposable income. Do you see that there's a shift in the demographics as well? Because before Africa used to be a bit the older market because they were more affluent and a bit more money. Have the younger market now been able to save up and are they also now in the picture in Australia to come to Africa or not so much still? Um, I don't know. I don't know yet. I think that, again, those people that have saved up, um, you know, when you look at demographics, age does play a role. But, you know, we know that uh, those people, those younger people have got disposable income to spend on travel. Um, so I think it's more an attitudinal thing. So not so much about age, but more about appetite for travel, appetite for this bucket list, ticking it off, doing something different. Um, people have had a long time to think about what they want to do for their first trips and, you know, a few trips. So I think, yeah, I'm not sure how much age, the age will shift rather than the attitude um, yeah. that people have. And I think yeah, that will play a big role. I, I agree with you, Anthony. And, I mean, what I've seen is the people that are coming, um, so far that we've seen are, are, are generally are not necessarily people that travel 
very seldom, maybe only you know, once every three years. They're people that travel often. They're the ones that are jumping on planes. People that are accustomed to travel or relaxed about travel, um, you know, those are the ones that are getting on planes and coming out here. Um, I mean, I met someone recently who's uh, a German, German lady, for example, and yeah, I mean, she has traveled the world. Um, and so she's comfortable being here. But I think if, if it's somebody who's young and it's their first big international experience, they might be a little bit more hesitant, you know, because until, until things are really settled um, in, their, in their mind. So it is very much about attitude and your, and your ease of, you know, and, uh, have, you, have you traveled, are you a well-traveled person? They'll jump on planes a little bit more easily, I think. You know what it's like? It's like when you've had an injury and you, you, you know how to ride a bike. Yeah. But you're just scared to get back on the bike. But as soon as you get back on the bike and you ride, it's like, well, this is sort of the same. There's no real big differences mm. from yeah. when I rode the bike before my injury and after my injury. So I think we just got to get people back on the bike because they, my feedback from clients that have already been and gone in the last two weeks and also people, my colleagues around the world that have travelled a lot because their borders haven't been closed, is that it's actually not that different. But you just got to do it the first time, realise that it's not that different, and then you'll be fine. You'll do your second trip, your third trip, your fourth trip, your fifth trip, and just get back into your holiday routine. Um, but it's just that first trip and doing the paperwork and doing the testing and getting over that and then going, well, actually, you know what? Travel was sort of the same. I had to do a couple of tests, but my travel agent looked after it, my DMC looked after it, my hotel looked after it, so it's not that bad. Yeah, I like that analogy with the bike. So as a DMC, what we've had to do is we've put some better shocks on the front of that mountain bike. We put a bigger, a bigger saddle on and we've made sure that helmet fits carefully. So we've done, all, <laughs> we've done that part and they can get back on that bike with, uh, with confidence. Yeah, I really think... I really think it's time to shine for DMCs. I think we've always known the power of the DMC and we've always known how important they are to give that holistic travel experience. But I think now, I mean, I'm telling our travel advisor teams where you can when it's, a, when it's not a straightforward itinerary. I mean, why wouldn't you use a DMC? Let them worry about the logistics. Um, and you know, similar to high-level lodges, hotels, etc., like use the better ones, use the ones that you trust, because they're the ones that are going to be equipped for all these uh, issues that Sean alluded to before. Um, you know, and use known suppliers. Deal with people you know. Don't go with random people that you just have never used. You know, that'd be. It's not a good yeah. time to experiment, I think. No. I mean, from our side, we, we've also, yeah, we've actually narrowed down our supplier our supplier base. You know, there, there were a lot of suppliers in Africa. And in, in the pre-COVID days, the market was so buoyant that you had to really sometimes go out on a limb and use somebody that you didn't necessarily, where they weren't your first prize. And uh, whereas now, you know, we don't have to do that. And we've actually narrowed uh, our preferred partners and suppliers down to a core team. Very strong relationship with them. We make sure we you know we know we've got the best rates and that uh, and that our customers will be in good hands with them. So 
that's the that's that's the that's the one I say about rebuilding now. It's about back to your trusted partners and uh, and rebuilding with them. For you and for the clients as well, I presume. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So, Anthony, you were mentioning that one of the things like there's an opportunity to upsell, obviously, because people are looking for a little bit more luxury, maybe a little bit more, they have a bit more money for the moment. Is there anything else that's in South Africa or in Africa we should know about the Australian market? What else should we be promoting? So the fact that here you can actually, if you compare Africa to the rest of the world, you can actually get quite a lot of nice lodges for a reasonable price for the Australian market. Is there anything else that we should be putting forward really to attract your market specifically? Look, I think it's all about ease, all about, you know, the information. I think as Sean knows, you know, Australians travel for longer. So we get, you know, we've got a good annual leave provision. Uh, so, you know, I'd encourage people to think about length of trip, length of stay, you know, we do, when Australians travel, they don't just go, you know, for four or five days. They go for for longer and want the whole experience. Um, and I think it's around, you know, open information. You know, Australian travellers are very honest travellers. They're very we're pretty straightforward people and we're down to worth. So um, it is around just ease of information, um, around that, you know, extended lengths of stays, um, and yeah, I don't think we're super nervous travellers. I don't think Australians are traditionally super nervous. I think we sort of get on with it at the end of the day. So once we get over this hump of, you know, seeing more people, I think, um, travel, I think that will alleviate whatever, you know, mm -hmm. concerns people have. And you, Sean, is there anything specific you're doing if you're putting together something for the Australian market? Is there anything you keep in mind that you think, oh, these are the Australians, I better put this in or I better put that in? Is there anything like that that you can think of? Um, uh, Doreen, I think it's, it's the things that we've covered, you know, which is um, definitely, you know, we try and not, um, you know, put them into too many different countries in one trip. So so if, they were, if we were doing two countries what, and they were coming to South Africa, maybe... Before they just did Cape Town and Kruger, maybe we'll add in the garden route and one other item. So it's just about it's about making the experience as comfortable as possible. Um, um, you know, uh, as I say, not not spending all your time on on planes and COVID tests and that type of thing. Ensuring they have the most incredible time, and we are very fortunate that you know that ninety nine percent of our travellers when they come to Southern Africa, they often say it's their best trip ever. So. You know that's something that 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 we want to try and uh, and ensure that continues. And um, and, the, and the travelers we have had in the last few months have really said that. And they are some of them even have the game lodges almost to themselves. There might only be two or three other couples in the whole lodge. So it's a great time to be traveling. Um, they're getting excellent experiences. Um, we're sometimes adding an extra game lodge into their itinerary as well because. Um, so maybe less days in the city, like Cape Town. So maybe they were doing four or five days in, the, in Cape Town. Maybe it'll only be two days. And then adding an extra three days, an extra game lodge into the itinerary because they really want that outdoor experience. They've spent so much time in the last two years in their homes and in cities, et cetera. They want to be outdoors. They want to be amongst wildlife. And um, and obviously, the other thing is, yeah, we we are we definitely are trying to highlight the conservation and sustainability side, but in a soft way. 
not something you push down people's throats. It's something that softly, and our partners do a really good job with that at the lodges. And um, and so they, they're offering behind-the-scenes tours as well. So if they are tracking a rhino or darting a rhino, it's something that the clients can enjoy. And yes, there is a cost to it, but something that they will offer. And we've seen quite a bit of that. We've seen quite a bit of um, um, new product coming through from our lodges um, in terms of the conservation and sustainability side. And, and experiences. So that for us is important. And then, as I mentioned earlier, all the different experiences. So we definitely are adding more um, outdoor experiences, whether, whether it be, um, a, as I say, paddling with the penguins in Simonstown, um, surfing at Musenberg, um, hiking up Table Mountain. Um, and we've just seen so many more people out there, mountain biking, climbing uh, and walking, et cetera. And it's actually... Yeah, it's actually increased the safety of doing all those kind of things in a city like Cape Town. So um, those, are, those are the type of things that we encourage and we've, we've had to go and, and, uh, and find good partners on the ground for that that we can include. And then so as a very last message, because our time is almost up. So as a closing thought, maybe, do you have any, any messages for the, the suppliers in Africa, what you would uh, like to tell them what they should be knowing and maybe why Africa should be top of mind for the Australian travelers as well? Sean, I'm going to start with you and then uh, we'll finish with Anthony. Um, yeah, I, I would say um, that we're, we're, all, we're all mindful of what they've been through in the last two years, okay? And uh, I'd just like to see our suppliers, you know, keep their pricing intact. Um, you know, it's not just time, it's not, it's not a time to take advantage of, of travelers who are now traveling, even though they might have a little bit more, um, you know, disposable income. It's, it's the time for us is still to be pricing competitive and to, um, yeah, and to really be mindful that this is a, um, it is, you know, for, for, for some markets, it's a, it's a tough, tough decision to, to come and travel right now. So we need to look after them carefully with, uh, hold their hand through the experience and uh, they will go home um, with a big smile on their faces and having had one of their most, most amazing back in the, back in the strips. Yeah, definitely. And you, Anthony, do you have any closing thoughts or any messages for the industry in Africa? Yeah, I think it's just, you know, equip travel advisors with the right information at the right time. Um, you know, rich content is always great. Fact sheets are always great. Um, as I said before, you know, start to tell the story of people that have come to Africa over the last couple of months and the wonderful experiences that they have had. Um, and, you know, there's no doubt that business will pick up. There's no doubt that Australians will travel. I mean, Australians travel is a part of the Australian psyche. Um, and, you know, we'll be back. Um, and, you know, Africa will provide, continue to provide such a rich, wonderful, transformative experience. Um, and that's what, at the end of the day, people want from their travel. Mm. So, yeah, that's, that's probably my best advice. Oh, fantastic. Thank you both so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And there you have it, a snapshot of what to expect from the Australian source market for the time to come.